The following is a presentation of the Pro Wrestling Report, TV and radio. Informative, entertaining, and real since 1998. Tonight, his uh, his contract with the NWO is actually null and void, so uh, he that would be as good a place as any for him to come, I guess, is to my home. That's right, because he doesn't have a contract at your house, right? <laughs> then he then he would technically be in my house, which is the other company's deal, right? <laughs> hey, now. Let's talk about it. Let's get to it right away. It's April 21st, and we start off the night in the Civic Center in Saginaw, Michigan, where Lee Marshall was last week, if you weren't paying attention. <laughs> he is always there a week before we get there. Just it's weird how that works out. <clears throat> Opening match tonight, um, after we see J.J. Dillon, James J. Dillon, walking out of a stretch limo. Uh, any thoughts on what J.J. is in the house for? Well, I've always heard he is limousine riding, so he was technically riding in a limousine tonight. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was we told we're told last week we would find out more about Eric Bischoff's status, and so I, I like this. You know, I, WCW a lot of times they go to the hot open of you know a match that uh, really doesn't have much bearing on anything. WCW doesn't do a good job of. Uh, what WWF has done throughout the course of the years, have a big angle you know, at the top of your program, have somebody come out and talk. And what their formula has been in this NWO era has been, yeah, we're going to have some cruiserweights out front, but you know what? During the whole cruiserweight match, we're just going to talk about the NWO. We're just going to talk about the major angles. We're going to flash some backstage shots. So to, with Dylan coming out, or the shot to Dylan, initially, to me, it kind of booked book ended this show a little bit better by saying, okay, this is some important business we're going to get to a little bit later, so I liked it. Fair enough. Okay, so Matthew says he liked it. He likes it. He likes everything. Right, Mike? <laughs> he likes I mean, J.J. Dillon. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think J.J. Dillon understands that reference? Uh, of course he does. He's a big, big He likes fan. it. He it's likes very, everything. Very well known, J.J. Dillon, a serial connoisseur. <laughs> My brother was a uh, a Mikey and uh, absolutely hated that, and we won't let him forget it until this day. You like <laughs> it. You like everything. <laughs> the power of that. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, 
Good stuff. But anyways, opening match, Dean Malenko defeats. Now, bear with me on the pronunciation and unnunciation. Yugi Nagata with a Texas Cloverleaf yep, yep. to retain the United States Championship. Uh, Matthew, thoughts on the debut of Yugi Nagata? How did he get a U.S. title match? That's my main question. Everybody gets U.S. title matches. Everybody gets title matches when they show up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I guess that's the – you know, the funny thing here is I didn't realize it was a title match until after the match because I'd never seen this guy. And I'm like, okay, I'm just conditioned to think that this doesn't matter. He's not going to get a title match. But sure enough, uh, that is the first of two title matches we have tonight. So I was a little bit surprised learning after the fact that it, it was a title match, but I guess I should have been paying more attention. And how did he earn it? I mean, did he? Was it something that he earned? You know, working his way up in the uh, the Qatar uh, minor he, league. He came to know. the he came to the U.S. Fair enough. And I'm in the U.S. Do I get a title shot? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the way it works. I, I think you know you've been in the U.S. for a while, though. I think he's just visiting the U.S., so you're you know you get more. I'm a you get to move up the chain a little bit quicker. I, I, if my family came here a hundred years ago. <laughs> well, there you go. This is a odd uh, – after the good match and after the solid match, let's let's talk about the wrestling's number one program and a man we haven't seen in a while on the big show, Glacier, defeating Ciclope with his cryonic kick in 32 seconds. Are we back to promoting Glacier as this unstoppable force with his martial arts and karate? Winning matches you know, in 30 seconds. I, I That was my fear, but then the beatdown that ensued afterwards where we get to see Adam Baum again, uh, it gave me hope. And here's what WCW has hope been rises. vastly missing. Yep, has been, has been uh, vastly missing. Has been, I mean, stuff for the mid-card. And I, we've got Glacier in an actual feud now. Did you ever think you would see that? No, and... Um... What is uh, what is the talk of uh, James Vandenberg being a curator at the Museum of Medical Abnormalities in Taipei? One, <laughs> why was James Vandenberg in Taipei? Two, <laughs> why is there a museum for medical abnormalities? <laughs> well, and two, two A, why is it in Taipei? <laughs> and three, why is he stealing artifacts from it? These are all very valid questions, none of which I have the answers to. But at least there's layers. It's just like an onion. Every time you peel (laughs) a layer, it gets even stinkier. Uh Speaking of rotting, you know, uh, artifacts. Uh, The (laughs) beatdown. Mortis starts gouging Glacier's eye and then jams the spike of the helmet in his eye. Uh Wow, the big man says, if we didn't believe before, you better believe now. And, uh, wow. Mortis beating down Glacier. Thoughts? You know what? I I like it. Not that I'm necessarily interested in what Glacier's doing, but it's something on the mid-card, so I don't have to sit through good wrestling matches, but wrestling matches that really don't have any weight or bearing to them to hear the announcers talk about the major storylines. I think this is where WCW uh, – listen, you know, WCW's firing on all cylinders right now. It is it is the brand by all intents and purposes. I mean, you look at the crowds there versus, versus the crowds at the tape for all show. I mean, WCW is hot, but there's a lot of things they're lacking 
And one of that is is mid-card matches that really have a reason to be on the card. And just like we saw with the, the opening match, we were kind of joking about it. But, again, this is a title match by from you know a guy contesting Malenko that we've never seen. Like, where does this – where does this come from? I think there's some good stuff there. I think the Sullivan Benoit thing has, has been pretty, pretty solid. But there's just been a lot of, okay, we've got feuds and storylines up top, but there's really outside of who the NWO is trying to take on at any given time. There's really not much in the way of feuds. Okay, fair enough. All right, um, let's talk J.J. Dillon again. Um, J.J. Dillon informs us that he has been named the chairman of the championship committee. So that means it all comes down to the NWO versus WCW and the issue that will never go away. Now, Larry obviously says that the balance of power is turning thanks to the turmoil in the NWO. Um, Nick Patrick comes up to the booth, okay? He says he applied for reinstatement and has a few things to say. First off, he wants to apologize to all WCW employees that his actions have had a negative effect on he thought joining the MDWO would give the little man a chance to have a voice, and it would give the man who has been grinded down by the system a chance to survive. Makes statement. Well, he's taken Randy Savage elbows and a lot more. Um, your thoughts on well, one J.J. Dillon being the face now of the championship committee, so now we actually actually have a face right. instead of getting VHS tapes, you know, through faxes. And what other means of uh, Pony Express they've been using to communicate the uh, championship committee stuff? Wasn't it the the Piper match where Piper was going to get his rematch against Hogan? Wasn't it translated by fax? I think it was in Telegram form. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, and it was during the right. match too. And by the way, we've got yeah. a Pony Express here. There's a man on a on a horse that says Roddy Piper can now wrestle Hulk Hogan. Um, my point is that we have a face now of the championship committee. So the board votes. J.J. Dillon comes out and says what they've reached an agreement on. All right, J.J. Dillon. Secondly, Nick Patrick. Um, are you buying it? Not buying it. So I, a couple of things here. I think that authority figures in professional wrestling can be useful. They can be overdone. I think it need there needs to be a balance to what we've seen with the NWO and Eric Bischoff, Eric Bischoff, the WCW, they're pretty much running, uh, you know, running unchecked. I think that this is actually potentially a good thing. So I, I didn't mind it. I actually think it can kind of help to structure the shows a little bit better. I just hope this is a way out of sleazy Nick Patrick because that's one thing that I've disliked about the NWO most of all is they've got a referee, referee in matches. And it's just like, okay, this is your heel, stable, the chief. I get it. But now there's a referee in there. It, I've never liked the Nick Patrick heel referee. So I just I hope this is a way out of it as opposed to some long con where he's really with them all the time. And man, just just go away from go away from uh, from the uh, the Nick Patrick as a referee. If we can put Nick Patrick, the NWO referee, and Kevin Green and Mongo all on the same horse and just get him out of town, I'll be. I'll be uh, pretty pretty happy with that. Okay, well we'll have to ask JJ Dillon if that's going to happen. <laughs> Ultimate Dragon defeats Bobby Eaton with the Dragon Sleep to retain his WCW Television Championship. So there is your second title match. Bobby Eaton shows up in well, Bobby Eaton, a former champion in many different organizations, but 
Uh, where's Bobby Eaton been? He's been eating at the buffet table and not wrestling is what he's been doing. <laughs> Dragon with the victory to retain. That's, Thank you. I'll be here. That's why they call him Bobby Eaton. <laughs> that's right. Bobby putting a company out of business with all the eating he's been doing. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to get over the joke. I, I understand it's funny. Take a yeah, breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give yeah commentary. I, I've, tried to, I've tried to figure out if you, if you realize it or not because it, it's a uh, his name is Eaton, and he's been eaten. <laughs> yeah. No, I yeah, set that I'm one up. Actually, I, I um, that was on the tee for me. I took it out of the park. Uh, you see, the thing of it is, I waited so long. It took me so long to get it that when I got it, I thought it was my own creation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thoughts on Ultimate Dragon defeating Bobby E. See, you can't even say it in the guy's it's, name it's pretty, straight anymore. It's pretty standard issue in anticlimactic for title matches. You're both giving us these two, you know, basically one-sided title matches where there's next to no chance of either challenger taking the title. So a little disappointing for advertised title matches. Mean Gene Oakland in the island visiting with Lord Steven Regal. Now there is a rumor circulating that Sarah Ferguson has been spending a lot of time with Regal. Well, that's good for Sarah Ferguson. Regal says it's, it was like spending a night with a ripped-off bloody fireplace. I don't know if that's an English insult. I have no idea. You know, I guess. But uh, the next pay-per-view, he's going to get his chance to finally get back his TV title for the fourth time. He says, you Americans have a lot of trouble beating the Japanese and that the American flag should be white with a cross on it because we are cowards. I don't know if that means uh, like a Swiss insult. Is that an insult to the Swiss? I I really don't get it. Uh, A real man is here to take back the title to WCW because he's the only man keeping WCW together right now. Dragon... Put this nice pink mask, tights, and gown on and come broken in, too. Um, Lord Stephen Regal, I understand that English is your first language, but it doesn't seem like English is your first language. What the hell did he say? That's, that's the way they talk in the in the old country. You just, you're not hip, you're not hip to the, the, that dialect. <laughs> yeah. they, got a, they got a certain way of words. The public enemy... Public Enema and the Standard Brothers wrestled to a no contest when Conan and Hugh Morris interfere uh, about three and a half minutes into the match. Um, so unless we get a three-corners tag match, why does this matter? Yeah, I really, you know, I like the fact that they're seeing a little bit more action out of the Dungeon, the dungeon of Doom, but again, they're not, they're not, Consistent with who they're feuding with. Come on, you know you got you're part of the way there, but just give us some consistent, non-convoluted feuds. Is that too much to ask? Go to hour number two. How about Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan, and Iron Mike Tanay? Now, um, Nick Patrick uh, says he knows that Eric Bischoff is in trouble and may be hawking merchandise on the Home Shopping Network soon. Uh, Mean Gene Okerlund in the aisle, obviously the original leader of the Horsemen, and a new chairman of WCW Executive Committee, Jay Dillon. Okay, so lots of lots of information from JJ to dissect. Let's break it down in a couple segments here. First off, uh, JJ will look into all facets and reevaluate all aspects of the company. Now, Tony Schiavone interrupts and asks about Nick Patrick. JJ says Patrick has petitioned for reinstatement and it's under advisement, which means absolutely nothing. Next, 
J.J. says as soon as the meeting was over, he got his lawyers together to look at Eric's contract, and he has good and bad news. Good news, Eric has no authority at all, including financial responsibility, contractual authority of any type. The bad news is Eric has an ironclad contract without a buyout clause. So, unless Eric breaks his deal, he will continue to be an executive vice president, receive a paycheck, and come to any events he sees fit to attend. So that means when Harvey Schiller, Dr. Harvey Schiller, told Eric, I better not see you in the men's room at a live house show, that does not stand. Eric Bischoff allowed in the building, even though didn't he return that night? That Remember night, when Dr. Yep. Harvey Schiller told him not to be in the building? <laughs> didn't Wasn't he in the ring later on that evening? He wasn't. Let's talk about the first two. Nick Patrick. Yeah. He's reinstated, you know, he's it's under advisement. But secondly, Eric Bischoff technically is allowed to do what he does. So do you care that Eric Bischoff has no contractual and or monetary control over anything WCW? Not really. This whole storyline's been pretty much screwed from the night he was expelled and then came back. And so I just it, it's really no no new news to me. Okay. JJ also looks over the contracts that were signed by Eric Bischoff. Now, creepy. Eric Bischoff is sitting in the entranceway blowing kisses to everyone. All the contracts from the NWO are valid, and the NWO, by large, is here to stay. Now, Eric comes down, and JJ says there are two exceptions. Marcus Bagwell and Scott Flash Norton had a window of opportunity, and they went in time. Big Bubba and VK Wall Street did not join during their window of opportunity. Those are still contracted WCW employees and not NWO. Eric grabs the mic and tells JJ to bite him. I don't know if that's because Eric parties that way or maybe just, you know, he had a bug that he needed taken off and his teeth were the ones. <laughs> Eric actually tells J.J. to speed it up and get back at the action. Um, long and short, J.J. wants to fire him, and he can't. So these are two powerheads, and they're going to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Eric asks if J.J. can really fill his shoes. Uh, Ted Turner and Stanford, Connecticut, uh, it's Kind of convoluted, but I thought it was good TV. I mean, I was kind of happy with the back and forth because, like I said, now the WCW has a face for the championship committee, which technically has the say at the end of the day. Again, it's convoluted, but we get some type of hopefully linear progression, and we've got some other semi-authority figure to offset Eric Bischoff. So, uh, again, I think WCW has been in need of some type of order regarding this NWO thing for a while because it's basically been like, these are the guys that invaded. They got a referee in their pocket. Eric Bischoff, who's controlling the show, is controlling everything these guys are doing. It's just total rain. So you've got basically that, you know, a little bit more of that kind of protagonist to offset that antagonist of the NWO here. Jeff Jarrett defeats Scotty Riggs by a submission. Um, Now, Jarrett snapped on WCW Saturday night and it's a rematch from against Scotty Riggs. Um, but G- uh, Jeff Jarrett went nuts after the bell uh, and just continually snapped on him. Is this a new Jeff Jarrett since he joined the Horsemen? No, Jeff Jarrett and Deborah are the first out. Go ahead. I-, I hope so because the Jeff Jarrett we've gotten so far hasn't been working. Um, would you say he's been vanilla? 
Oh, absolutely. And Jeff Jarrett, the whole time, it's just been this ridiculous storyline with Mongo and this guy that you know should be a star in his own right. He's just gotten saddled with Mongo, and all that anybody talks about with Jarrett is Mongo and Deborah, and that's really the only relevance he's had. And uh, it's just, I mean, that's a guy that had a, you know, a nice WWF run to come in here. I think Jarrett's a great fit in the Horseman. I think that that was a wise move making, you know, making him a horseman. But even the getting there was just absolutely ridiculous. You had Flair was a fan, but nobody else was. So he he's never really gotten the horseman seal of approval, if you stop and think about it. He's a guy who seemingly had to basically twist uh, everybody's arm to get in the group. So the horseman should really be a stable that is putting a, a vehicle to put Jared over, and it hasn't been so far. So something's got to change here. Okay. So let's talk about uh, Six, and let's talk about Ray Mysterio Jr. Six defeats Ray Mysterio Jr. Uh, to retain the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Now, um, still mention that Scott Hall is MIA, and no one knows where the hell Scott Hall is. Last call, Hall. Uh, we're not sure what building he is, but he isn't in the wrestling building. He might be in some bar. might be in some saloon somewhere. We don't know where Scott Hall is. Nash runs out to be at the side of Six. Uh, six slides back in, locks in the buzzkill for the win. Now, here comes J.J. Dillon power walking to the ring along with a horde of security. As Six holds on to the hold, now James J. Dillon yells at him to let go. Uh, they order the paramedics to the ring and helps load Six onto a stretcher. Uh, as the security guard is surrounding Six, the fan hops in the ring and Nash makes that beeline for him, but Six shoves him down and tosses him out of the ring before Nash can get his hands on him. That poor little kid would have lost it. If Nash got a hold of you, oh, my God. Um, Ray, uh, excuse me, I was uh, misspoken. Six is not the one that was in the uh, hold. They called the ambulance for Ray Mysterio. He's loaded into the ambulance as uh, really Six and Nash kind of beat him down. So there's a new sheriff in town, and it's JoJo Dillon. Thoughts? Uh, the problem I had, main problem I had here was with the finish where Nash comes in the ring, interferes, hits him with the chair, and the just an absolute ridiculous spot because Mysterio almost almost takes the referee out. He basically falls in front of the referee, and the referee is just oblivious to the whole deal. I I have always had a problem with these spots where there's interference via a chair shot or via something that makes a loud sound. Now, it's one thing where you have somebody throwing, you know, sand in somebody's eyes or something, but for I'm to believe a referee is distracted. He's got his back, you know, to whatever's going on, and he hears this commotion, and then all of a sudden he's surprised that somebody's laid out. It's just you've got to make the interference spots believable. And this, uh, the way it went down, was one of the more unbelievable interference spots. Other than that, I didn't have a problem with, with, with any of this, but uh, but oh, yeah, it's a hot crowd. How can you hear over the hot crowd? Right, that's very true, very on, true. Now. But but uh, yeah. Anyway, so that was that was the only thing uh, I had a little issue with. Okay, next week, Nitro will be in Norfolk, Virginia, where Lee Marshall is now. Um, <laughs> the music historian Lee Marshall has found uh, some of uh, Wayne Newton, who is from Virginia's early works, including the Rolling Rodents. Herman and Verdon, Earth, Wind, and Fur, and Credence, 
ear weasel revolting. Somebody's paying Lee for this, and I don't yeah. think actually Lee's writing these. I think somebody's this writing was, them for him. This this was probably probably the worst the worst bit that I've that I've seen since he's been doing these. But Bobby jumps back and says Lee Marshall is revolting, and he should put his false teeth back in and bite himself in the neck. The word "bite me" uh, has been said 16 times so far. This has bite it? Bite me! Bite me! Bite me! Bite me! Wow. Uh, speaking of commercial time, it's time for a special paid announcement from the New World Order. The following announcement is paid for by the New World Order. No, 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 no. Hogan on the set of his new movie, Mackenzie's Island, which no one will go see because it's on an island. <laughs> Everyone keeps asking him how he keeps juggling being an NWO world champion and a movie superstar. Um, I wasn't asking because you're not a movie superstar. These movies are terrible. The best movie you made was Rip Em. Wasn't that the one where he was uh, arm wrestling Zeus? Uh, uh, man. Man. Was it arm wrestling or did uh, they actually wrestle? No, the Zeus was, uh, no, Zeus was ready to rumble? No, no. No, ready to rumble? No, no, no. No, no, There's that boxing ring announcer guy that says ready to rumble, but no, that's not it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's not even a, that's not even a, uh, Man, man. No, I, I crossed up the Stallone, uh, the Stallone movie where he's an arm wrestler over the top with uh, the movie where Hogan yeah. and uh, Zeus are in. And then Zeus made his way into wrestling, which I thought was actually kind of cool. You know, the fact that this guy was on the movie set and now he wants to rip Hogan apart. I thought that was kind of cool, actually. Um, he runs down various WCW wrestlers and they get some comments from the others on the set, including Robert Vaughn, who's decked out in his NWO shirt. Apparently, Robert Vaughn is NWO for light, and that is that. Now, here comes the NWO music in the arena. We've got Nash, we've got Six, we got Vince, we've got Fake Sting. What's the point of Fake Sting? Uh, no holes barred, right? That's it. No, no holes barred. barred. That's the one. Yep. Um, if only Ash Jeeves was available to you while we're doing this show. <laughs> Uh, what is the deal with fake thing? Why? Why is it It's an absolute joke. It was one thing for one angle, and it has served no purpose. That was a tape recorder like angle. Yep, yep. And I mean, it is. It, it makes the NWO look ridiculous. I mean, you've got this stable that could be strong with Hogan and Hall and Nash and Savage, and then you just muddy the waters with fake sting and. Uh, you know, Norton and and Wall Street. It's just re- and what about the what about the dude from Japan that was in there for a couple of shows? Is he still a little? Well, I think member? he's still in Japan. He's probably just came over to let <laughs> you know that he's NWO. Right, right. I mean, come on, yeah. That come, fake I mean, just come absolutely on. perplexes me. <laughs> it it just perplexes me. It makes no sense. Nash with a fantastic promo tonight, talking about how he's mm-hmm. always going to be NWO for life. Um, Nash with some real-life heat, talking about how pissed off he is. Um, Scott Hall worked hard for a year and proved himself, but he cut a salary, so he went elsewhere. They went to New York and wanted to find it wasn't a party. It's just punishment for the guys trying to dig the business out of the funk. The old guys left it in. Where he comes from, which isn't too far from the arena, they'll need to beat respect out of him to get it. Now, Nash, obviously a Detroit guy, so them being in Saginaw, he's not too far from it. Well, the old guys decided to do the limo driving, the Lear Jets, the Champagne, and the Ugly Broads. <laughs> Nash and his crew have decided they have no f- problem flying commercial, piling three in a rented Taurus, 
because all they want to do is kick back, drink a 40, patch the potholes that they've been left behind. NWO for life. Nash is done with a, uh, i got to say, a fantastic promo. Your thoughts on Nash on the mic? Again, Nash, no, I thought it was without that, a hall, yeah. casting technically a shadow. I thought it was outstanding, and it became more and more clear to me tonight that that needs to be the face of the NWO. Listen, it makes him relevant because it is a new guy. It, it, all of a sudden, when you have him up there with the mic as opposed to Hogan, it doesn't come off as he and Hall being Hogan's lackeys. Nash, as the face of the NWO, the man with the mic, makes all the sense in the world. I mean, comparing that to a Hall promo, a Hall promo is going to be kind of laughy and jokey and this, that, and the other. Like, Nash meant absolute business, and he more so than anybody, I think, in that group uh, can convey that. So really impressed with what I saw here, and uh, it's one vote for Nash to be the face of the NWO. Well, and we were counting votes, so thanks. It's now one nothing Nash. <laughs> the main event tonight. <laughs> DDP uh, defeats Psychosis. Psychosis in the main event. So obviously that NWO promo was the main event. and There was a match afterwards just to fill out the rest of the show. Uh, they remind us apparently next week Nitro with just one hour starting at 6 Central, 7 Eastern. So an hour earlier, obviously because NBA playoffs going off. Um, in the ring, Mean Gene with Ric Flair, Roddy Piper, and Kevin Green all making their way for a chat. Flair says, this will be short and brief. There's nothing to talk about, so why don't the NWO come on out and start paving the highway, brother? Um, the crowd calling for Sting as Nash teases getting in the ring. Flair finally grabs six. Huge brawl erupts as they close up the show. Uh, yeah, a little horseman, a little NWO action, a little hot uh, Donnybrook going on at the end. Your thoughts on uh, this night's Nitro? You know what? I thought it was one of the better Nitros I've seen in quite some time because they worked to uh, further major storylines with the introduction of J.J. Dillon. And never thought that Glacier would be a high point of the show, but seeing what they did by actually introducing some angles to the mid-cart was a, a pleasant surprise. Overall, one of the better Nitros I've seen in a while. Fair enough. For Matthew, I'm the man they call me dead. We'll see you next week. So long, everyone.